love to stay up with you, but I recommend a little shut I go to sleep and dream What a wonderful performance. Really makes you wish they sang Sisters instead, huh? <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I'm in the Christmas spirit year-round. So 12 Days of Christmas just isn't enough for me. May I present to you the 366 Days of Christmas. On the first day of Christmas, my... I'm sorry, do you all hear that? It sounds like... No, it couldn't be. Could it? Hide your cookies and hold on to your Christmas stockings. Ladies and gentlemen, Santa Claus! Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! Oh, so happy to be here tonight. Mostly because it gives me a break from Mrs. Claus. Ho, ho, ho! Oh, you there, young man. Come over here and tell jolly old St. Nick your one Christmas wish. I wish my divorced parents got back together. Oh, ho, ho, no! Uh, the elves can fix a lot of things, but it's hard to mend a broken heart, you see? Are you telling me no? Is Santa fucking Claus telling me no? You better triple check that niceless man, because I've been a good boy this year. And if this isn't where it pays off, what was this dog shit year all for anyway? There's no magic. There's no gifts in that sack of yours. It's just a sack of- From Los Angeles, California, it's High On Film! Tonight, we've got Bob Shields and All I Want for Christmas. We're seeing Cats, Orchestra Seats, on tonight's episode. Welcome to another exciting episode of High on Film Sobering Talk About Movies. I'm Chris Maxwell, your host from the West Coast, and you've caught us right in the middle of our holiday spectacular. This year, featuring uh, Christmas carols, movies with titles that share their titles with songs. Uh, last week, we dreamt of a white Christmas, and this week, it may not be our two front teeth, but we're watching All I Want for Christmas from the year of our Lord, 1991, directed by Robert Lieberman, written by Tom Eberhardt and Richard Kramer. Oh boy. Starring Ethan Embry, Thora Birch, Leslie Nielsen, Lauren Bacall. The list goes on. Another name you need to know for this podcast is the man right to my left. He's the podcaster of disaster, the co-host from the couch, and the Brad Davis that God gave us, my co-host and friend, Brad Davis. Merry Christmas, Chris. Oh, Merry Christmas, Brad. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Oh, doing doing good this holiday season. As, as good as to be expected in this uh, shit year of 2020. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Now, Brad, all I want for Christmas, this was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was a favorite of yours when you were a child? Because I've never seen it before. Uh, 
Favorite's probably a stretch, but I did like this movie a lot as a kid. Uh, it Because it came out in 91, which is kind of right after Home Alone. So I was very into that, like, kids Christmas movie type story uh, and the scheming element of it. And uh, I had a crush on Thora Birch. Um, sure. She should have had a bigger part in this movie. Yeah. It should have been her Home Alone. Uh, Agreed. But yeah, at uh, age, whatever, eight, when I saw yeah. this movie, like, yeah, it, it, you know, they owned a diner that looked cool. Like there was elements <laughs> to it that were, that eight-year-old me really appreciated. Oh, for sure. Seeing uh, Ethan Embry's whole style in this film, if I would have seen this movie when I was a child, I mean, I would have gone nuts for his his red dress shirt that he wears, his his cool nineties haircut that would I would have been all over it. Oh yeah, um, cuffing the jeans, the white socks with the dress shoes that you could see. Oh yeah, it's so nineties. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Well, let's get to our guest that we've invited on to watch this fun little family film with us this week. He is uh, one of the hosts of, of a couple of my favorite podcasts, the, the Dormant Theranathon and the current Keanu Review. He's a returning high on film guest. Uh, Bob Shields is here, everybody. Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah, guys. Ah, oh, happy holidays, Bob. <laughs> happy so, holidays. You got to say both because people are real sensitive. <laughs> that's just true. That's, <laughs> that's true. what they say in the movie, at least. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's so great to have you back on the show, Bob. And it's great to see you again. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I feel like, I, you know, uh, this is my third time on the show and my first solo uh, solo appearance. So, right. you know, I started from the bottom. Now I'm here. I feel great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You did T T2 with your wife, Regina. And mm-hmm. uh, we did uh, Reindeer Games with Theronophon, yeah. the crossover episode. That's yeah. right. Oh, that classic that great. film. That classic, classic <laughs> film. Uh, another Christmas installment of High on Film. So uh, Indeed, it's getting a little tradition going here. Is. I'm not mad about it. Yeah, fine by me. Bob, have you ever seen this movie before? I had neither seen nor heard of this movie before. Yes. Um, and I had the trouble of, uh, thankfully you clarified in the text to me, but like when you, because all of our content comes from the internet now, when you Google this movie, you get like, six or seven different movies um which don't all seem to be related i guess wanting things for christmas is a generic enough concept that you can essentially hang any story on that title so thank you for clarifying which one it was uh and for letting me know that brad davis is a is his favorite christmas movie <laughs> it's not my favorite christmas movie i need to go on record it is not my favorite christmas movie brad loves this film <laughs> shut up about it that's why we're doing it here <laughs> i thought it was a stretch with the christmas carol thing because you know all i want for christmas is my two front teeth or all i want for christmas is you uh the mariah carey one uh, but Brad was like, insisted. He's like, no, no, we have to watch this <laughs> Ethan Embry, Thora Birch classic. So uh, that is how I recall that conversation going. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say one thing about this film before we start digging into it. I don't think Leslie Nielsen gets enough credit for being an awesome movie Santa Claus. You know, people always talk about like, who's your favorite movie Santa Claus? And you go through a lot of like, you know, I mean, Tim Allen's probably nobody's favorite new movie, Santa Claus, but like he's up there. Ed Asner. There, there's a couple yeah. of guys who, have, Richard you know, Attenborough. Richard Attenborough, but no one really. I mean, and he has a small part in this film, but I think mm-hmm. he is such a delightful Santa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really want to throw that into the conversation when we get into these movie Santa Clauses. I think it's just because a lot of people 
don't know this movie, so maybe it mm-hmm. doesn't get he doesn't get the credit he deserves. But he's a great movie, Santa Claus. And honestly, it, it, we should also clarify: if you just Google this movie and look at the poster, it has absolutely nothing to do with the film. It's Thora Birch and Ethan Emery have Santa Claus tied up in garland and hanging upside down, and there is no sort of kidnapping Santa heist that goes on in this film at all. It's a yeah. metaphor, Chris. It's, it's a, a really metaphor. bold interpretation. Yeah, come on, <laughs> it's a metaphor. They they trapped him with their with with her question. No, it, it, it's more evidence, actually, to my theory that this should have been Thora Birch's home alone. This should have been, they should have cut. I'm sorry, Ethan Embry, but he should have been cut out of the film. And it should have just been Thora Birch in the like Kevin McAllister kind of role in her house, maybe going out to places in New York to like get her schemes all together. And it should have been much more of that mischievousness rather than all this Ethan Embry romantic subplot crap that we will <laughs> assuredly dig into <laughs> but as we said uh it's likely no one's uh seen this or maybe even heard of it so to refresh your memory or give you a little intro to what the film is brad and i have prepared a quick movie trailer for you right here in a world where a family has been torn apart one man will lay it all on the line for love now, if this works, I'm a hero. But if it doesn't, maybe Santa Claus will bring me some nice straight PJs for Juvenile Hall. Ethan, played by Ethan Embry, who was credited as Ethan Randall, will team up with his way cooler kid sister, Hallie, to parent trap their divorced parents. Not all mom and dad should get back together, but I should. Ethan will hatch an elaborate scheme to strand his parents together while using the same scheme to romance an older teen way out of his league. You got any mistletoe? Tons of them. <laughs> while Hallie enlists the help of an unlikely ally. He's a jolly fat guy and not a marriage counselor. Santa Claus. You gotta go to the real guy and Macy's. The kids' plan will include a box of mice, Henry Rowan Gardner's funky butt-loving best friend, a blizzard they have no control over, and locking Kevin Nealon in an ice cream truck. And look, the kids should do what they want, Cap. I mean, it is Christmas. And even though the plan doesn't make much sense... No, wait a minute. There are all these pieces, and they don't fit together, but they do fit together. They'll still succeed with no consequences. We did it! Ha-ha, give me five! Yeah, yeah, give me five! Yeah! We're playing the snow. Let's go, come on, let's go! Go, 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 go! Paramount Pictures presents Lauren Bacall and Leslie Nielsen relegated to minor roles. I could be in jogging, in a stable. Thora Birch, Ethan Randall, Kevin Nealon, and the city of New York. There's eight million stories in the naked city. My father always says that, you know? See, there's this white. And this girl. And a lot of snow. All different colors. Sounds nice. How far would you go to make a wish come true? Uh, you wouldn't want something easy, would you? Like a nice doll? I have dolls you wouldn't believe. All I want for Christmas. You better get a move on, Slick. The Sugar Plum Fairies wait. That was a trailer. I hope you are well acquainted with All I Want for Christmas. <laughs> Let's get into our first segment. And now it's time for Trash Star Destroy.
That's right. Trash Star Destroy. <laughs> I, I didn't expect to have flashbacks to Iwo Jima when recording this. I didn't expect you to have fought in Iwo Jima. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's Trash Star Destroy for another week. I, I can't remember, Brad. Did we decide, is this the favorite? Is this America's favorite podcast game? Or is that Milk in It? I think Milk in It. I think Milk in It's, a, or no, this is America's favorite podcast game and Milk in It's the number one podcast game. Well, if anything, this is Aaron Teachman's favorite podcast game. It's Trash Star Destroy. We yeah, give yeah. you three movies of a similar ilk uh, and make you make the hard decisions. You must trash one, which means it's eliminated from existence. One movie you get the star in and take whatever part you'd like to play. And the third movie then must be destroyed, which means that the only version of that film that exists has been both written and directed by Mr. Michael Bay of Pain and Game fame. Bob, you've played this before. Brad, I know you're acquainted. Let's get going. Uh, this is a Christmas show, after all, so let's do three movies with Christmas schemes. Someone scheming around Christmas time. We'll do uh, maybe what actually is Brad's favorite Christmas movie, Home Alone, the Billy Bob Thornton classic, Bad Santa, and uh, the Dennis Leary uh, holiday favorite, The Ref. <laughs> Home Alone, Bad Santa, and The Ref. Trash, Star, Destroy. Well, I can kick this off. Uh, Home Alone is my favorite Christmas movie. Therefore, I will be starring in Home Alone. And I will fulfill my seven-year-old dream of playing Kevin McAllister and taking on Harry and Marv in my parents' awesome house. And <laughs> acting with Catherine O'Hara. Like, it's that's a total no-brainer probably maybe the easiest decision mm -hmm. i'll ever make on a trash star destroy is the star <laughs> and kevin McAllister in home alone uh i guess then what i'm going to do is get billy bob thornton and michael bay back together after armageddon <laughs> he's doing bad santa which then means I am trashing The Ref, which is actually a movie that I enjoy. It's funny, I mean, aside from Kevin Spacey being in it. Yeah, the spaceman. Sent him straight into space. <laughs> yeah. Blast <laughs> him off into the atmosphere. Uh, it's a fun comedy, but uh, I think I could trash that. It, that. it wouldn't be bad for Bay, honestly, but I, I just want to team up Billy Bob and Mike, Michael Bay again, so... That's what I'm doing. Uh, I am 100% with you on every choice there. Like, yes. Wish Fulfillment starring in uh, Home Alone for, uh, you know, eight-year-old me would have had an absolute blast doing that. Destroy Bad Santa, it, partly because I've never seen it, and also, so I don't really care what happens to it if Bay gets it. Um, but also, my understanding of that movie is it's relatively lecherous to begin with, so it's probably not going to be affected too much by Bay. Um, and also, trash to uh, eliminate Kevin Spacey and maybe some of Dennis Leary's effect on history. Yeah, <laughs> one less movie where he's smoking cigarettes and cracking wise is is not a bad, yeah. bad yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, we should have thought about this category a little more because I think I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> I, I really don't. I, I haven't seen Bad Santa in a while, but I don't remember thinking it was that good. I mean, I remember it was more like shock value at the time. Like, oh, he's cursing and fucking and drinking and he's playing Santa Claus. Yeah, there is and it's, like his relationship with the kid, which is like like the kid who's getting picked on. And even he's like the you know anti-hero who kind of helps him 
come out of his shell. But it's it's I mean, I remember seeing it in college and thought it was pretty decent. Hmm. There's like a caper element to it, too. And yeah, they're robbing a like a department store, right? Yeah, where he works. That's like kind of yeah. his business. He is Santa and then they rob the store that I think he works in or something. Uh, and I can't imagine a lot of that movie holds up even <laughs> in 2020 vision here <laughs> from even when that was made. What early aughts, I think that came out. Yeah, that's why it's um, perfect for Bay. That's why it's perfect for Bay, a, a department store heist with a drunken, lecherous Santa Claus. Great. Michael Bay, <laughs> your wish comes true. It's all you want for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, the ref, again, no real love loss there for me, uh, trashing it. Good riddance to a, a Kevin Spacey performance. And uh, instead of starring as Kevin McAllister in Home Alone, though, I think I'm going to be Marv. I think that would be really fun. I'd love to pal around <laughs> with Joe Pesci. Uh I would, we'd have to work something out with the tarantula on the face, though. I couldn't do that. So we'll either give that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. But that's what I'm going to do and and immortalize myself as a wet bandit. I think that'd be really fun. You got some big shoes to fill. Daniel Stern is pretty great. He is, he is. But I feel like I'd be better at that part than Harry. I I think I could do it good. I, I I got a little bit of a... Do it a slapstick. Flayless. Yeah, slapstick yeah. to me. Okay. Yeah. I, I flail a little bit. I can do that. <laughs> you know, it was like a little she did a little shimmy. I was like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, what yeah, that yeah. Is. Like uh, you know, it's like you can you can get an iron dropped on your face like the best of them. Right, right. Like how Woody from Toy Story moves. Like you kind of like oh, his yeah, yeah. Lay, limbs kind of flail around. I feel like I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> All right, guys, let's do one more category of trash star destroy. In the 90s, there were a lot of movies about kids trying to get their divorced parents back together. So let's do three movies of getting the parents back together, the 90s edition. We'll do the movie we just watched, All I Want for Christmas. We'll do House Arrest. And the the granddaddy of them all, The Parent Trap. Although, being the 90s edition, we'll do the 1998 Lindsay Lohan version instead of the original. All I Want for Christmas, House Arrest, The Parent Trap. Trash, star, destroy. Ooh, this is not easy. Mm. I think I'm going to star in All I Want for Christmas. Wow, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed it myself, but I kind of, as much as I like Ethan Embry overall, I wouldn't mind yanking him from this movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and getting to star with Lauren Bacall, Thora Birch, I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kevin Nealon, Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you got a, you got a, you got a good cast there. So, I think again, my eight-year-old self is gonna is gonna win out this argument. So, mm-hmm. uh, mostly because I don't really have any like emotional connection to either of those other movies. Like the Lohan Parent Trap is good. She's actually pretty damn good in that movie in dual roles, um, but. And House Arrest, also very good cast, but, uh, you know, oh, if you're Grover in House Arrest, though, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Mm. That's what I'm doing, Brad. Yeah. Yeah. You're ruining my answer. I'm easily Grover in House Arrest. (laughs) I I already said my thing. I'm sticking with it now, but, uh, and I'll finish out with, I'll give House, I'm going to trash House Arrest uh, and give Parent Trap to Bay, just because that's hilarious to me, at the idea of trying (laughs) to do a family film. Oh, yeah, especially a remake of Parent Trap. I think that's really great and <laughs> exactly where I'm going. Sorry, and I will say, too, the Jennifer Love Hewitt character in House Arrest, 
teamed with Michael Bay is a bad idea. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Um, but yeah, Michael Bay is the parent trap. I would love to see it. Uh, I'm going to be Grover in in uh, House Arrest and get to act with Jennifer Love Hewitt and Wallace Shawn, which would be really cool, and Kevin Pollack and Jamie Lee Curtis, there, uh, Christopher McDonald, lots of cool people in this movie. Uh, and I think I can do better than that kid, Grover. <laughs> Although, if I was that age, I definitely would dress just as dorky and think it was cool because his <laughs> fashion in that is... oh. Really, really hurts. Uh, then, unfortunately, we are trashing uh, All I Want for Christmas and saying goodbye to that wonderful Leslie Nielsen Santa Claus. Oh. I know. You're right. That's the way to go. I would star in All I Want for Christmas as the Leslie Nielsen Santa Claus because one of the, this movie, I bumped up against it in a couple of ways, but one of them was, and it's completely irrational and illogical reaction, but it's almost like they're misusing or abusing the lore of Leslie Nielsen, where it's like, this is very out of character for him. Like, I'm like, so when he shows up, I'm like, you can't do that with Leslie Nielsen. Like, he's supposed to be like parody and like stumbling over some kind of satire or, you know, what the hell's going on here? So just to assuage my own um, irrational response to that, I'm, I will in 45 years play the, the, the Leslie Nielsen Santa Claus and do some wish fulfillment for Thora Birch, <laughs> which means uh, for me then uh, I'm going to destroy House Arrest, partly because I've never seen it, and I wasn't aware of the Jennifer Love Hewitt character uh, uh, being potentially problematic, but I also thought that perhaps the jail they build for their parents could then become a big transforming robot cube or something. Oh, yeah. And then I was going to trash the parent trap uh, in order to try and protect young Lindsay Lohan from Michael Bay. Mm. Yeah, I think that's exactly what Brad was talking about with Jennifer Love Hewitt. She's, I think, probably not of legal age, but uh, already, I think even House Arrest as is kind of hypersexualizes her, oh. which is problematic. Yeah, yeah. Because they're like in high school, I think, or middle school. Yeah, I think like early high school or something. But yeah, if Babe, he would even take that at least another step or two further. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh. Oh. Well, all right, guys, that's Trash Star Destroy for another week. Glad we ended on such a <laughs> yeah, positive note for that. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more High on Film, more Bob Shields, and more All I Want for Christmas right after this. This year, people are missing home more than ever. With the holidays just around the corner, revisit the Christmas classic featuring the star of television's home improvement. Jonathan Taylor Thomas in I'll Be Home for Christmas. JTT plays Jake, a college student who wants to escape to Mexico for the holidays, but bullies glue him into a Santa suit and strand him in the California desert. But if he can hitchhike to New York before Christmas, he gets a Porsche. That's it. That's the plot. So if you want a half-brained Christmas family comedy centered on a 90s Tiger Beat heartthrob, remember, I'll Be Home for Christmas. This Yule, be cool. All right, welcome back to High On Film. We're talking all I want for Christmas with Bob Shields today, and now we're getting into the meat of the movie. And the meat of the podcast, honestly. It's scene work. We're going to go over the best scenes, the worst scenes. We're going to rank top three, bottom three as we go through. And if it's not readily apparent, we're an optimistic podcast, so we will start things off optimistically with... Best scene. 
what are the three best scenes in All I Want for Christmas? Brad, this is your favorite Christmas movie. Do you want to start us off? <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, not easy to pull best scenes out of this movie, uh, which is funny. Um, so I, most of my best scenes are, if not all, are basically going to be things that at eight, my current age made me laugh. Because there was like three things in this movie that actually made me laugh out loud. Um, so the one, uh, my number three is, it's a quick little thing, but it's uh, Ethan Embry's character is following this attractive girl, Stephanie, around and like trying to, like he is in love with her now, love at first sight type thing. And they're at, I it's a museum. They're at somewhere where he, Ethan Embry is facing forward and he watches, he kind of out of the corner of his eye sees the, you know, his love interest, Stephanie, kind of walk behind him. So he is, he's like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to turn around and, and say something to her. And right as he does that, she steps away and an old woman steps in behind him and he just flips around and just says something like, Oh, Hey. And he's like face to face with this old woman. And, it's a, like literally a five second thing, but it did make me laugh out loud <laughs> when this time viewing it. it. It's a good bit. He turns around and he's like right in her face and he's like, oh, wow. And it's like, yeah, it's a good reaction uh, for, unfortunately, I love Ethan Embry, but this m- might be one of his worst performances. <laughs> I mean, it, he's not good in the movie, uh, but he does have a couple moments here of decent comedic timing, uh, this being one of them. Uh, so that's my number three. My number two is a scene uh, in a car. It's Kevin Nealon, and he's driving the kids somewhere. And Thora Birch is in the back seat, and she moves to the front. She comes forward and shows him that she has a mouse in her hand, her mouse snowball. And it's this scene of her just saying how much, like, Kevin Nealon's afraid, but she wants to have him t- tell the mouse how much he likes Snowball. And it's Kevin Nealon just like, I like you, Snowball. I like you, Snowball. I love you, Snowball. <laughs> and again, I mean, Kevin Nealon obviously is a comedian, so he plays it well and she's charming. So again, it's a scene that did make me laugh. And then my number one scene um, is is just, I mean, we've talked about it already. Is Thora Birch in this movie? Chris, you were exactly right. This was, this should have been the vehicle for her that that uh, Home Alone was from Macaulay Culkin. She mm-hmm. is easily the most charming thing in the person in this movie. The most likable, the funniest. Like she gives mm-hmm. better comedic line readings than anybody in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and I'll point out, just to point out one scene specifically, it's when she is sitting down to talk with Santa for the first, Leslie Nielsen sitting on his lap for the first time. And, Look, looks at Santa and says, listen, Santa, my brother's watching, so just smile and nod. And <laughs> it is, it cracked me up. So it's a perfect, like, you know, the, the hostage situation type scenario of like, just like, mm-hmm. just be cool. Like things aren't, things aren't right right now, but if you just smile and nod, we're going to get through this. And um, <laughs> it, she's so charming in the movie. That's why seven-year-old me had such a crush on her. So Mm-hmm. That's my that's my top three. Yeah, I'm uh, in almost total agreement with you. Um, my my best scene is also generally Thora Birch. Mine too. Throughout the whole thing, because she like, I I feel like like other child actors like take a lesson. Like she is the best 
example of like a precocious child character that I think I've ever seen. And like precocious child humor is always funny to me, um, but this is a whole other level of like that. Uh, and like before, before I'd seen this, like I'd only really ever seen her in like American Beauty and like Ghost World. Uh, and I'm like, oh, she's, you know, she's a great actress. She seems fine. But watching this, I'm like, oh no, she's a movie star. Like she, she has real genuine like magnetic screen presence um the scene that really made me uh appreciate that was uh the second time she goes to see santa and it's it's she walks out of the house and she's going to fix her mistake um and it's just her walking down the street um and she you know is just magnetically watchable like she's just so confident uh and she you know she takes like acting like a little adult to like a whole new level yeah she's, um, a, she's a new york socialite Right, she's and and she plays it note perfect the whole whole way through the movie. Um, so that was my number one. Um, I'm going to go in, I guess, uh, descending order. Um, my number oh, wow. two was uh, my number two was uh, Ethan being a big brother. So uh, Ethan Embry is his character is also called Ethan, um, but uh, and he is kind of generally a sort of. He's an odd character in that he he also acts like a little adult, but he doesn't look like a he looks like a de-aged adult. He has that <laughs> so he has that slightly like Disney dead-eyed child look about him in this movie. So he's kind of he's, he's kind of weird. And he also this movie has this pro- same problem that the first two Harry Potter movies have, where it's like it's set in the modern day, but the children dress like Dickensian archetypes. So he's always in like a Cosby sweater and uh you know corduroy pants and stuff like he's like he dresses like no child in the 90s would have ever dressed well i disagree actually i feel like like in the especially late 80s early 90s i I feel like i was right in step with his style really all right but uh what i was gonna say is uh ethan being a big brother in this movie like he's really supportive of thora birch's character and like sits down with her and talks with her and like explains things in like good sort of kid logic like understanding like ways and it's just i think he's a good he's a role model like he's a good example of what a big brother should be like like he is a you know he's just a good example of a nice character yeah good point because other than the times where he's like you can't go out by yourself which is good advice he like you don't have that element of like she's the nagging kid sister who bugs me like that's such Mm. an easy uh, stock character or whatever you want to call it to go to in movies like this and they really are just have a really lovely relationship and that is yeah. refreshing i never really thought of that but that's a good point yeah, yeah, and yeah even though he's older and doesn't believe in santa claus he still encourages thora birch to or um hallie mm-hmm. yeah, hallie uh to yeah. go and like <laughs> ask santa for what she wants and, and all that stuff mm-hmm. without ruining the the illusion for her Absolutely. And it's, and it's, it's convincing. It doesn't come across as like trite or anything like that. Like it is played well. And then the last one is going to be a Tony scene. The conclusion of where Tony ends up after being locked in the ice cream truck. That character is such a good douchebag, but like a sort of smarmy, not like repulsive douchebag, but just kind of generally like eh, something's off about him uh, until he get, ends up in New Jersey and uh, yells into a phone, I'm in New Jersey! Uh, because he is exactly the character that would be horrified about ending up in New Jersey. <laughs> the kind of guy who works on Wall Street. Uh, and the, But there's the ad- added visual gag uh, in the 
uh, off to this background of that scene where which is where you see cops i presume they're cops um holding his suit that is frozen in a seated <laughs> yeah. position without him in it uh and that made me genuinely laugh out loud uh so i thought that was a great little conclusion to like how the antics affected him oh yeah absolutely uh, and kevin nealon i earnestly enjoy mm-hmm. everything he does he's yeah. really really funny uh yeah he's kevin nealon is my is my number three actually like uh, like you guys i didn't really choose scenes because yeah it's funny i don't think this is not a good movie but i found it very charming i yeah. just because all the all the actors are really good they're mm-hmm. you know more or less except for ethan and stephanie uh but like everyone else is really good super charming the the lines are quippy enough and even though they're a little cheesy but that didn't stop me from really like kind of like smiling throughout the whole movie mm-hmm. uh even though i have you know my my worst scenes is a, a whole page long and my best <laughs> scenes are a quarter of a page uh so that being said, I did kind of enjoy this movie. Uh, but yeah, number three is just Kevin Nealon. I, I think he's just damn delightful, even playing a douchebag. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'll mention, I love when he when Thora Birch uh, abandons him and then he eats the cherry from her Shirley Temple. I yep. just thought that was just a fun little <laughs> character uh, character move. Two for me, I've mentioned it, Leslie Nielsen as Santa Claus. I, I really like seeing an earnest Leslie Nielsen, and especially in such a tender, understanding role as this real santa claus you Mm. know with a little bit of magic to him i I think he also his presence does help sell that little bit of magic that comes in at the end as well Mm -hmm. um i I really liked it i think i I liked his mustache with the beard it's like a big curly handlebar mustache it's it's just (laughs) a little more exaggerated than you normally see on santa claus beards i feel like and he doesn't Mm. do the super over the top santa's like oh ho 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 like he he plays it pretty straight for what Santa mm-hmm. Claus is kind of, you know, uh, department store Santas are seen to be. And it does make it, it's more of an earnest performance and it's more believable because of that, if you want to call mm-hmm. it believable. Yeah, yeah. G- give this movie to Thora Birch and get more Leslie Nielsen in it. <laughs> Cut out the Ethan and Stephanie plot line. Get, get that out of here. Because <laughs> uh, number one for me is Thora Birch. Again, so good. I mean, nails every single line. Uh, yeah, the smile and nod line is awesome, Brad. Uh, I love her duet with Lauren Bacall when they sing Baby It's Cold Outside. It's so cute and, and, and <laughs> endearing. And I love it when she's uh, trying to get Ethan back on board with the plan. I can't remember exactly what's going on, but he's like, oh, you look pretty. And she goes, forget my prettiness. We got to talk right now. When she's like down to business. It's so funny. I I, I laughed pretty hard when she did that. I I think she's really terrific in this movie and makes Mm it quite palatable, as I said. Yeah. Yeah. I know I I do. Forget my prettiness. (laughs) I know I do. Forget my prettiness. (laughs) Uh, I will say the one last thing I want to mention here. I also love, it's not even a, a scene, but I love that the Della Grazzi wedding that Ethan and Stephanie crash has mm-hmm. a bouncer. Yeah. <laughs> like a guy standing outside, like, whoa, 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 who are you? Yeah. I've been to plenty of weddings and I have never seen a bouncer at a wedding. <laughs> but I've never been to a, to a Della Grazzi wedding, I guess. I will say as a kid, I loved that move uh, Ethan makes. Of like, They're like, mm-hmm. are you part of this wedding? And just the wave to the woman who then like, mm-hmm. oh, waves back. I mean, I know it's such a 
classic like you've seen that so many times but as a kid i was like that's brilliant what a thought (laughs) yeah the first time you see it you're like oh man of course i'll do that all the time (laughs) i'm gonna use that when i crash a wedding to impress a girl (laughs) and i never did oh there's still time (laughs) thanks man (laughs) all right guys if there's a best scene that must mean there's a worst scene (laughs) <laughs> What's our worst scenes for All I Want for Christmas? So there is a scene in this movie that I think I may think about for the rest of my life. It will probably never leave my head, which is the Ethan Embry lying on a bed, <laughs> yes. watching family videos, being emotional, while horrendous 90s music plays over the top. I was like, what the f- what what is this like it is so tonally like out of place it doesn't make any sense it's completely pointless like you could remove that from the like we already get that they're sad that their parents aren't together like where the hell did this come from it feels like they shot it as b-roll because it's like a cliche and they're like find a way to have this happen in the movie and then they left it in accidentally Yeah, for me, the worst scene in this movie. Yeah, (laughs) it's the scene that belongs to the father character, not the son character. Yeah, the father who should be watching, like curled up in a robe, lonely, watching the old family videos, wanting his family back together. The son doing it is ludicrous, and obviously they're doing it to map it on to that that trope. But it's just so dumb and it's not just bad 90s music it is the titular song i believe all i want for (laughs) christmas uh and it says all i want is a promise you'll stay oh my god all i want is one more yesterday cross my heart and hope to die it is one of the worst songs i've ever heard (laughs) but yeah and like there is a way you could do something similar to that with the kids like if they were maybe watching them and he was explaining what was going on like because you see like footage of her uh like after she's just born and stuff like this and so like him having to explain it to her and like maybe understanding the weight of it in exposition but like him just sent like sitting there with his glassy eyes on his bed watching it silently it's just so weird and it feels like it goes on for ages it does yeah. <laughs> and then it just pause like he he falls asleep watching it and he wakes up and it's paused on this weird shot yeah. of mom and dad like in <laughs> suits and in full embrace like it is yeah it is weird it is stupid it is yeah oh yeah it's an awful scene they literally have that scene in House Arrest, except it's Jamie Lee Curtis is the one who's like watches the home video that <laughs> her kids made for her and gets all yeah. teary eyed. Kids don't watch their parents' wedding videos. Most of the time, they don't even know right? what the hell they are. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, the only way it could have gotten more cliched is if he 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 watched a part, then rewound it, then watched it again, then rewound it, and then watched <laughs> yeah. it again over and over. I would have preferred um, it. Like at that point, just leave how bad it is. Okay, so the, my my number two is the awkward romance just generally i'm sure you two will have some more things to say about this but like it's just cringeworthy the whole time like i'm like trying to fold in on myself as it's happening and it it just comes across as very forced and sort of unnatural you are you referring to ethan and stephanie or are you referring to yes. getting yeah okay that's what i thought i was yeah yeah sorry yeah kid romance sorry. kid romance so i'd like and again like you could take that out doesn't need to be there like the just movie would be better if you did. The movie yeah. improves without it. And then my number three 
or possibly number one, depending on the weight of it, is <laughs> the the moral of the movie slash the ending, which is like I I actually think this movie is pretty well written. I think it works pretty well. I think it's it's you know it's a relatively thin premise, but I think you know all parts of it come together pretty well. It certainly has like good editorial and directorial taste up until the end, which is like, oh, I guess we should get back. Like the fact that it actually ends with the parents getting back together. Sorry if that's a spoiler for anyone. Um, but uh, they actually get back together. Like, and you have Ethan Embry's speech, like he's in trouble and he has to explain what they've done in speech. And it's so unconvincing uh, and then it leads to the parents being like, well, I'm in love with you. Well, I'm in love with you too. And then they get back together. Like that in a movie, otherwise this, you know, written as competently as I think it is, um, that would never happen in a movie that was made today. Like today it would be something like there'd be some higher, like transcendent meaning, like just because you have a broken home doesn't mean your family is broken kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we, we're still a family and we still love each other, even if we don't live together kind of thing. So so it just and it kind of you can't avoid the fact that it plays into well you know maybe kids do need two parents to live together after all kind of thing and you're like that's just it's so the wrong moral to the end of this movie um when it's you know it's trying to be like inclusive and you know we want our family to be together it's there should be a deeper connection that it's able to that they're able to learn about that doesn't mean they have to live in the same house. Uh, I thought that was going to be the magic that Santa brought, and he he did not. There's two like uh, line lines of dialogue band aids that they do to cover mm-hmm. up those things. One is um, uh, Hallie Dora Birch says at one point, and it's of all the movies we've talked about where parents are trying to be put back together by their kids. This is the only one that even mentions Hallie goes, not all parents belong together, <laughs> yeah. but ours do. All yeah. the other movies where this happens, the kids are like, fuck what my parents think. We're getting them back together, whether they're right <laughs> or wrong, or despite anything that might've transpired in their messy divorce. Right. Uh, but there's that one. And then um, the mom, Catherine has a line too, towards the end of the film after Ethan explains everything. <laughs> And I cracked up because it's such a <laughs> it's such a loose band-aid on a on a severed arm where she goes, <laughs> All these pieces, they don't fit together, but they do fit together. Uh, that's when they're on the phone at his apartment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I lost my mind at that line. Yeah. Like you can't just explain away all your script problems by a character right. saying, The pieces don't fit together, but they do fit together. Yeah. Like See, you know how it seems like it doesn't make sense? Imagine if it did make sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. Well, yeah. Bob, I can pretty much piggyback on yours because mine are basically the same. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. number one's that him crying watching the <laughs> video. It's one of the, it, it is truly one of the most laughable scenes I've seen in a long time in anything. Uh, the number two, also, like basically, their uh, Ethan and Stephanie's relationship. And I'll kind of specifically point out. The diner scene when she when they're like sitting together uh, at, like in the middle of the scheme and it's just the two of them in the diner like after hours and he's given this yeah, whole like thing twilight of, hours of Christmas Eve yeah and it's th- that's diner talk it's marrying the ketchup and everything and his like yeah giving her this insight into what it's like to be a kid whose dad runs a diner and it's just I mean at least 
I feel like with a lot of their scenes in the movie, uh, Stephanie's and mm. Ethan's, which are all pretty bad, there's at least movement to them or it's acting. Yeah. But just the two of them sitting in a booth having this scene is just like, oh my God, this is <laughs> like pulling teeth. Um, <laughs> and then um, the third one is Ethan's explanation at the end when it's mm-hmm. like, okay, he's like, now I guess it's my turn. And he's standing in front of the Christmas tree. Like it's, like it makes sense because it looks nice like to frame mm-hmm. him in front of this kiss Christmas tree with the backdrop, but it comes off really silly because it's a kid yeah. who is in so much should be in so much trouble for so many reasons. <laughs> and they're just gonna give him this long monologue to explain why he did these terrible things. Like could have right. killed a guy in the ice. Right, yeah. <laughs> and his whole like like I missed us. And I missed, yeah. and then he, uh, like, it's all cheesy and all stupid. And then he does this ridiculous turn away from them and comes back with, like, a tear in his eye. Like, the whole thing is just stupid. And yeah. it, it's, and it, playing into the ending, too, of, like, them getting back together. Like, where did we earn that of them, of yeah. the parents? Like, we kind of did, but. Yeah, Brad, they slept together on a couch. <sighs> I mean, don't even get me started on that nonsense. Uh, <laughs> but there's plenty of bad scenes in this movie that I could have picked. But ours, uh, pretty, we're we're pretty much in line there, Bob. Yeah. No, yeah. I remember there's there's another band aid line just before they sleep together on the couch when she's like, "I should go," or so I or I shouldn't stay, but I will. And you're like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> For Hallie. Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> Not for your new fiance, who would probably be a little irked if you were spending the night with your husband. Your yeah, who's freezing to death in an ice cream van right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for all their scheming and planning, they really had to bank on a blizzard keeping everything <laughs> shut down. That boy couldn't yep. have planned for that, though. Maybe that's the magic. Of Santa. <laughs> yeah, is that some of the Santa magic? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, but then that you know. Ethan's the one who kind of does the whole scheming. So for Santa to kind of know about Ethan's scheme. He's, he's the puppet master. He's puppeting <laughs> Ethan. <laughs> yes, Santa is puppeting Ethan. He's fulfilling Hallie's wish through her older brother. <laughs> I actually have a couple, well, one different thing. But um, yeah, three for me is Ethan Embry crying in front of the home videos. Uh, two three? for me. That's three? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, two for me is... These things, two and one, are things that bothered me more. I know three is bad, mm. but it didn't really like bother me as much. Like number two for me is that the kids love working in the diner, which clearly they're working yeah. very hard. When they do the sh- the montage of showing them working, they are getting their ass kicked. I've been in the <laughs> industry for a while, and that is not always the most fun. And I also hate that they chose to play yakety yak over that montage. It's so. It, out of the blue, like why yakety yak? Just because it has an up tempo and it's like a busy diner, but it's just, um, yeah, we might as well just put yakety yak to this. Like, <laughs> I also love too that like Ethan's while working at the diner, child labor laws is also like <laughs> dancing throughout this, and I feel like everybody else working at that diner is like, kid, we're we're working here. We can't have you just dancing in the kitchen 
while we're trying. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a fry cook and he's dancing yeah. around. Like I'd be like, move. We are so busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this scene is more of a fairy tale than the Santa magic scene. Like the <laughs> idea of a New York, a busy New York, like midtown diner where people are like, oh, dance with me, Tony. And like the, the waitresses have time to like twirl around and stuff like this. And you're like, this is, I've, I've lived in New York. That's not what diners are like. <laughs> like, yeah. And play Jingle Bell Rock or Rocking Around the Christmas Tree, right, not yeah. Yakety Yak. <laughs> like, who cares? Good point. <laughs> yeah. Good point. I didn't even think of that. Good point. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put Christmas music in this. Right. Uh, number one for me is Ethan and Stephanie's whole relationship. Honestly, it... I hate to put the burden of it on <laughs> Stephanie, but man, she is not good in this movie. And the movie doesn't do her any service because by the end of the film, it's absolutely apparent that they cut a whole subplot of Stephanie having a problem with her mother. Because there are mm. like three different instances in the finale where she's like, oh, mom, will we ever be the same again? Or Ethan's like, hey, how are things with your mom? And she's like, they're good now. And you're like, they were never bad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's just the, the cherry on top of her being so flat. Their chemistry between her and Ethan are, is zero. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, Ethan can't close the deal at the train station because he's so awkward. And it's just, uh, just grating, grating <laughs> to watch. Yeah. And the fact that she shows up later to the cotillion to dance with him after that embarrassing train station scene. Uh, <laughs> all the romance between those two it just is... Uh, grating and and flat. I, I just don't like it, and it needs to go and let Thora Birch have more screen time in his film. We also looked up like their age difference when this movie was made, and it's like <laughs> Stephanie is a seventeen year old, and Ethan Embry at the time is twelve. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what? I mean, that's yeah. why the, I think that's why at the end it's just a kiss on the cheek because they're like, oh, for right. sure. can't can't do that. I even remember as a kid in the moment when it's like, oh, they have mice. And she, like Stephanie's at her mom's house and she's like in the kitchen. She goes, yes. Like I even remember as a kid, I was like, that is the fakest yes I've mm. ever seen. It is so <laughs> poorly. Like you could have done anything. And I was just like, oh, that's terrible. Even as an eight-year-old. <laughs> Ethan Embry has one of those too. Uh, a Christmas morning when he finds out that their parents like slept together. He's like, it's so... <laughs> inauthentic where he's like we did it ha ha give me five let's go play in the snow and it's so stilted and bad and it's like everything you've worked for just paid off and you can't deliver an earnest moment in this in this scene it's it's a bad take to choose Hmm. that scene work we built we built a good movie and now it's time for america's favorite podcast game It's time for milking it. As I said, our favorite podcast game, America's favorite podcast game. What we're going to do is we're going to wheel out the big computer of Hollywood Ideas 2000 here, and it's going to provide us with a few pieces of information. It's going to give us a genre, a director, or an actor in which to reimagine, repurpose, reuse all the pieces from All I Want for Christmas and make a brand new movie, uh, a title, and a quick summary of what your film will be. It'll also give us a time limit, a pitch card, if you will. Uh, either an elevator pitch, a water cooler pitch, or the boardroom pitch, giving you 30 seconds, one American minute, or a minute and a half to get out your summary of the film. Hopefully, 
successfully pitching it to a Hollywood executive and making a billion more dollars for the studio system. So let's get the old computer out here. Old computer, new computer, excuse me. Because <laughs> it's real. <laughs> okay. Didn't realize they still made new computers with 56K modems in them. Yeah, yeah. Is that what that is? I don't really yeah, get yeah. practical with it. Of course, Chris. <laughs> How didn't you know that? <laughs> well, it looks like I'm going first. I have the elevator pitch. 30 seconds to do all I want for Christmas as an action suspense thriller. All right. Yeah, I'll lean into that uh, the movie poster. The Trap and Santa Claus, maybe. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Bob, Computer's got you going next. You're doing the water cooler pitch. One American minute to get out all I want for Christmas. Oh, this is this is juicy. As an M. Night Shyamalan film. Yeah. Nice. Old buddy M. Night Shyamalan. Best friend. <laughs> and Brad, that leaves you with the boardroom pitch. 90 seconds to do all I want for Christmas as a revenge film. Oh, okay. All, all right. right. I like it. A little it. Christmas revenge. Unfortunately, Mel Gibson beat you to it with uh, the release of Fat Man, huh? <laughs> Oh, so close. <laughs> so close. Well, we're going to take a few minutes to gather our thoughts, and we'll be right back with three brand new movies for your listening enjoyment after this. And we're back right in the middle of milking it for another week. Here we go. All I want for Christmas. Uh, I'm kicking it off. The elevator pitch. 30 seconds to get out an action suspense thriller. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. Okay, so we still have the brother and sister who live in their dad's luxury artist loft above a greasy spoon diner, as is so common in New York. Uh, Tony, the mom's new fiance, has recently found out that Michael and Catherine have been rekindling their relationship secretly. And now Tony is out to get Michael, who has barricaded himself in his home with his kids and must keep Tony out at all costs. And if they can last until midnight, they might just get some help from the jolly old fat guy himself in Deck the Halls. Mm. nice nice Declan Halls is a great one thanks yeah I think it's more of a like a uh holding out outlasting Tony more mm-hmm. than uh booby trapping the place like more green room and less home alone right cool. sure yeah. red and green room oh yeah Boom. there's a all right let's scrap this we're doing green room <laughs> <laughs> all right Bob you're up next uh you have a water cooler pitch one minute to all do right. M. Night Shyamalan's All I Want for Christmas. I am so excited for this. Okay. Whenever you're ready, sir. All right, ready. Oh, hey, I think they must have changed the filter in this water. Uh, hey, hey, let me whisper something in your ear. Hey, so imagine Thora Birch wants her parents to get back together, but the spirit of Christmas has a deadly sense of humor. She says she wants to get married, but forget to say to each other. So instead, to her horror, they instead both organize surprise Christmas Day weddings. The mother is going to marry Tony. The dad is going to marry a waitress in the diner. And the kids find out that both Tony and the waitress were recently released from prison and mean to muscle in on the kids' inheritance. They're going to take the diner of their houses, all their toys and frame the dad for murdering their mum. Ethan and Thora are able to out- stop them by outwitting them in a scheme that convinces them that Santa is real and they should just wish for what they want and Santa will provide. Tony tries to outsmart them by killing Santa and becoming him and instead goes to jail in the North Pole. The waitress learns to be good and the parents do not get back together but the holiday cheer brings the family closer. And your title? Oh, and the title is um, 
all Christmas wants from you or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all Christmas wants from you is good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ask what you can get for Christmas. Ask what Christmas can get for you. <laughs> Tagline? <laughs> right, yeah. 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 Okay, Brad, your revenge film. Yeah. The, board, the boardroom pitch. You're, you're up in the executive suite. You ready for this? I am ready for this. All right. Go right ahead. Okay. We open on the North Pole. It's Christmas Eve and Santa is clocking out after a long day at the workshop with the elves. He's heading home. He gets to his house and as he approaches the house, he senses something is off. He sees blood in the snow. He follows a trail of blood until he finds all of the reindeer hacked to bits. He... <laughs> He realizes what is happening here. He runs inside screaming, Mrs. Claus, Mrs. Claus. He gets inside to find, he gets inside to find her collapse on the Christmas tree with her throat slit. Written on the wall in her blood is a message. Catch, <laughs> catch me if you can, your sworn enemy, Frosty. Santa loses his mind and goes and gets his shotgun. He finds a baby reindeer who hasn't been, who hasn't ready, isn't ready yet to run the sleigh, but gives enough power to get him off the ground. And he's heading to the South Pole, where Frosty is. He will mow through snowmen, drummer boys, and evil elves, <laughs> and eventually get to his target, Frosty the Snowman, for a battle to the death. <laughs> snow and ice everywhere santa finally emerges barely alive gets back on his sleigh and heads back to finish giving to deliver all the gifts to the good girls and boys in the movie santa slays oh yeah that's pretty good yeah i like that title <laughs> Boy, that is graphic. Maybe one of the most graphic uh, uh, milkiness we've ever had. It's a revenge film, so you got to have something to, to venge. That's true. <laughs> I remember the last milking it we did together. Brad's one involves people getting kicked to death, so it seemed like this is a this is a trend for Brad Davis is a graphic milking it at Christmas. Yeah. Only at Christmas, brand. yeah, yeah. Part of my brand. <laughs> To be fair, the last Christmas movie we we did milking it with you was an action movie. It's it a was reindeer game, kind so. of revengey as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I think we just sold three brand new movies to the studio system. Congratulations on keeping Hollywood afloat. <laughs> they need it. They, they need it more than anyone this holiday season. We're, we're about at the end of the show. We only have one last thing to do, and that's Brad Davis. You just watched All I Want for Christmas. What are you going to do next? I'm going to watch my actual favorite Christmas movie, Home Alone. I haven't watched it yet this year. I've actually been saving it for closer to Christmas because I love it so much. Probably going to watch Home Alone too as well, but I'm, uh, I'm due for that Home Alone watch, and it's coming soon. Bob Shields, you just watched All I Want for Christmas. What are you going to do next? I think I'm going to try and catch up on the Christmas movies that were a staple when I was a kid that I never saw when I was a kid. So things like Miracle on 34th Street and stuff like that, that are like classic Christmas movies now. Um, and all my friends saw them when I was a kid and I never did. And now we live in the age of streaming where everything can be had in an instant. I think I'm going to use my time to catch up on those because I really enjoyed this. Uh, I think... There's something about 90s movies that feel kind of timeless to me. And so I'm going to try and uh, partake in them as much as I can. Mm. 
Well, if you get around to house arrest, believe you me, it does not feel timeless. <laughs> Chris Maxwell, you just watched All I Want for Christmas, the classic Christmas film. What are you going to do next? Man, all this Ethan Embry and Jennifer Love Hewitt talk, I'm going to double dip into, into Can't Hardly Wait, one of my favorite movies that I know is not really a, a Christmas movie, nor generally considered a, a good film, but I love it. Uh, it is. I, I love high school movies, especially high school party movies like that. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to dive right in. Uh, and uh, aside from that, I'll also say you guys should listen to the Keanu review if you haven't already. Uh, oh, Bob yeah. and Regina and Robin are fantastic hosts and put on a great show. Uh, what your latest episode? I know you did the uh, Prince of uh, Pennsylvania. Recently. Prince of Pennsylvania just got released. Yeah, we had a bit of a long break over November because uh, we were all busy, um, but we just did Prince of Pennsylvania in celebration of the election. Um, so uh, <laughs> re- celebrating our Scranton boy uh, to take the top seat. And uh, yep, so yeah, check that out. It's available wherever you want to get your podcasts. Yeah, it's a, an appointment podcast for me. Every time a new episode comes out, I am on it within 24 hours. I really enjoy the show. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, I'll also say go listen to Death at Sunset, Brad and I's uh, film noir radio play podcast. Uh, both seasons, eight whole episodes, two full cases out now for free for your listening pleasure on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we've got one more week of our Christmas Carol High on Film series coming at you next week. So White Christmas with Adam Hinkle is out now. You're listening to this right now. And next week we're doing Last Christmas from Last Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) I will say congratulations on Death at Sunset season two. It is really excellent. You guys knocked out of the park again. Um, I'm a person who doesn't care about sport and it made me care about sport. Wow. Ah. (laughs) That's that's one of the greatest compliments we could receive. Really? (laughs) There you go. Thank you so much, Bob. That's, that's, that's very kind of you to say, Alan. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And Bob, thank you so much for your time and doing the show today. It's It's been wonderful having you. Uh, it's great to see you again, as always, and hang out for a little bit, dude. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime, man. This is great. I feel like uh, I'm becoming a little regular now, so uh, I'm always around. Absolutely. You're, you're a high on film veteran. <laughs> Love having you, man. You're one of the best, seriously. That's it for the show. Brad, thank you as always. My pleasure, buddy. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa, guys. We love you all. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. What would the holidays be without Santa? Right, folks? And now, with your favorite polarizing Christmas song, legendary actress Lillian Brooks and her precocious granddaughter, Hallie O'Fallon. Throw a log on the fire and cuddle under your Snuggies cause baby, it's cold outside. I really can't stay. But baby, it's cold outside. I've got to go wide. But baby, it's cold outside. High on Film is a Maxwell Davis Productions podcast. Original music by Zach Pfeiffer. For more information, follow at High on Film on Twitter and Instagram or email the show at thehighonfilmshow at gmail.com.